Hello, everybody. My name is Landon Justice. I'm the pastor uh, in Richland, Missouri, First Christian Church. It's my honor to be uh, the host of Spirecast today. And we're aware that life uh, is challenging, let alone life in ministry. And trying to stay healthy, resilient as a church leader can be a struggle. And that's why Spirecast exists. Spire wants to help you find the tools, the resources that equip you to lead out of a place of wholeness, uh, not just adrenaline, not just striving, um, but also to give you guidance and support of a network to implement the best ministry resiliency practices um, for all the challenges that we face as leaders. So twice a month, um, Spirecast brings you an opportunity to hear from a leading expert and invites you to ask questions that you have about how to pursue wholeness in ministry and then turn that longing that we have for wholeness into really actionable steps. So our guest today is Paul Alexander, the president of Hope International University. His background encompasses a unique blend of training and experiences that make him uniquely qualified to speak to pastors about mental health issues, among other things. With degrees in theology, therapy, leadership, Paul brings years of academic insight and practical experience as well as, I believe, um, just an integrated life um, to bear on principles that can refresh and renew us as church leaders. Uh, so Paul, he's an ordained pastor, a licensed marriage and family therapist. He and his wife, Leslie, attend Eastside Christian Church in Anaheim, California, and have two adult children, Kelsey and Cole. Paul, what a pleasure it is to have you join us. Welcome to Spirecast. Landon, thank you so much. I, I always uh, feel like they're talking about somebody else during an introduction. It's like, did, did I really do? Did I really do those weird, unrelated things? But it's nice to uh, to see you and, and join in today. Yes, well, absolutely, and I'm sure uh, you can tell us along the way. But I doubt those are uh, disintegrated things. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you found a way to integrate all of that in your leadership. So, um, yeah, Paul, we we get to talk about really, you know, an important topic today, maybe. One of the first things I'd love to begin with, though, is just why why are you passionate about the mental health of leaders and certainly pastors? Yeah, that's a great question. The short answer is I'm a pastor's kid. I mean, I'm an ordained pastor. That's not where I get my paycheck, uh, you know, for most of my career. But growing up in a pastor's family, um, I watched how um, exciting it could be, but I also yeah. watched how how challenging it could be. And I remember periods where my mom and dad would just go into a funk over things going on in the church. And specifically a couple of times when I was young, I remember when the church was about 400, small to medium size. And when a family would leave the church that mom and dad had invested in, I remember that that was just crushing mm. for my parents. Um, and not like they left the area, they just left the church. <laughs> And as as a kid, I remember thinking, this is a really hard job. I mean, it's a it's a busy job that you're kind of always on. Uh, and then many of my closest friends are pastors, and um, I have just tried to come up alongside them and encourage them. Um, and then I decided to go more public with kind of my care and concern after um, we had three pastors commit suicide in our area three years ago. And they were very public and they, they grabbed national um, media attention. But I just thought we need more people speaking into the life and the heart of pastors and, and pulling back the curtain and just, you know, being honest about how challenging it could be and how lonely it could be. And that was pre-COVID, right? So yes. then COVID <laughs> comes along and, it, you know, it just kind of blew up even more. Yeah, 
Well, thank you for your work there and certainly your, your interest. So yeah. um, what, you know, what have you found are some of the, the top issues just facing pastors right now, certainly mental health issues? Well, there's there's no easy way to encapsulate it. So I'll talk around it a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's it's a lot like an oral test, I guess. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna just keep talking until I hit the answer, right? So um, I the the chief issue right now, the pastors that I'm talking to is is just burnout, and that has shifted a little away from from other issues, and it has really become kind of a white hot spotlight on burnout because of COVID, because mm -hmm. of leading um, during this extraordinarily awful time. So issues that were kind of beneath the surface that pastors may not even have, have recognized in themselves or their church body, we had the, the pressure and intense pressure of COVID and they just came bubbling to the surface. And you can, yeah. you can lead on adrenaline for a long time. Yeah. And pastors have, they have led on adrenaline for a long time. And now, they're out of adrenaline and they are worn out. Mm -hmm. So my concern is that we're looking at what I think is gonna be a rebound effect or a, a sleeper effect rather, where in the next six to 12 months, I'm afraid we're gonna have a lot of pastors really get sick and, and worn mm -hmm. out and contemplate leaving ministry simply because there's no reserves left. Yeah. So this, this sustained stress and extended ambiguity of what's going to happen next what's going to happen next when can we fill in the blank yeah go back to normal when can we what mask and mandates and, and when are people going to stop taking shots at me that that has just worn everyone out and and it's much harder for pastors than it is in my role as a as a christian university president because my job is more formal pastors jobs are less formal and everyone thinks that they're a little bit of your boss in a church and that's that's not true in my setting but that's true in your setting yeah. right that's exhausting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, it, two things come to mind for me from that poll. And um, just what, how would you describe burnout? It gets tossed around a lot. And I, yeah. I think sometimes it's helpful to have a, just a more formal definition. And then uh, two, just, you know, as you think about that, what is part of that, the isolation piece as well that you found? Just curious about that. Well, I'll answer in reverse order. Absolutely, isolation is both cause and effect, right? And so that's confusing for introverts. Half of our pastors are introverts, and they think, if I could just be alone, I'd have more energy. And and then we're alone too much. So it certainly kind of adds fuel to the fire of the burnout. So when I say burnout, what I mean is you lack the energy and the passion to do your job and life well. And I want to focus on the life part more than the job part, because one of the tragedies in burnout is that we also hurt those around us. Yeah. We're not giving as a as a husband or a father. We're not giving as a family member. We we are we're pulled back and we're worn down and now we're burning out those around us as well. So so how do we find a way to replenish the passion that led us into ministry in the first place? And, and man, it's been hard in COVID to find a cup of cold water. Mm -hmm. um, I remember about six months ago, a church asked me to come speak. And the day they asked me to speak, I thought, I can't go talk. <laughs> I can't go talk about that right now because yeah. anybody leading anything, man, it's just been an awful, not marathon's too short a race. It's been one of those, you know, hundred mile things. Ultra. That, 
Yeah, those ultra awful things that people do to themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, that's. Yeah, I I've been had a unique position because I began my job here once COVID had started. Um, mm. So I feel like I missed some of that. Unlike you, who began leadership right before COVID. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I'm friends with three other college um, Christian college presidents in Southern California, and we all started right before COVID. <laughs> So we have a little uh, support group called yes. What in the World Are We Doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What, um, just as we think about mental health, Paul, there's, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but um, what, what tends to push pastors towards seeking help or even thinking they should? What are some of the barriers that you've encountered? So um, years and years ago, I worked for a Christian mental health company um, called the Minerthmeyer Clinics. It was a long time ago. They're, they're not even around anymore. And one of my jobs was to man the pastor hotline. Man, I was so excited. I thought I'm going to be help, I'm going to be able to help lots of pastors. Nobody ever called the hotline, even though it was advertised nationally. I mean, we would get like a call a month. Wow. And when I would talk to the pastors, I would say, you know, why why did you wait? What, what kept you from calling earlier? And the answer all the time was embarrassment. Yeah. Some, some version of shame and feeling ashamed that somebody who's talking and, and preaching and teaching about health and spiritual health mm -hmm. and, and joyful living is over here on the side broken. Yeah. And, and there is this um, commitment to the facade, which is, really problematic for Christian leaders. And my experience has been the more prominent the position, the more reliably defended someone is going to be, right? Yeah. The, the, the brighter the spotlight, um, the more reluctant. And now we're putting energy into just maintaining the facade and we're investing lots and lots of energy in that, that unfortunately could have been directed to, to digging out of whatever uh, thing that we're in. Yeah. So pride, uh, shame, embarrassment, Fear of discovery. Um, you know, some people work in areas still, unfortunately, where maybe an elder or some people in the church really would look down on them if they admitted that they're having any kind of emotional battle of any kind. And and that's a real um, credible threat yeah. uh, to pastor health is the person that would look over the top of their glasses and say, well, if you just had more faith or... Mm. There's, you know, why in the world would you go see fill in the blank or take whatever medication? Right. So it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a minefield of, of how do I, how do I authentically lead, take care of myself, you know, and, and not get shot at in the process. Right. So it takes time to figure out who I can talk to. Yeah. Um, and I always tell pastors, figure out who the safest elder is in your church. Start with that person. Yeah. have that conversation privately and just see how that goes. I wouldn't walk into your next elders meeting and go, Hey, I've got something big to drop on you. Yes. I've been depressed the, the last six months or I've been anxious the last three years, whatever it is. Yeah. I wouldn't start there, but you have to start somewhere. Um, yeah. If it can't be an elder yet or, or a leader, um, start with someone in your network and just start that conversation because once we give a little bit of light to it, a lot of the energy comes out of it. And I, I yep. hope people take that statement in a little bit of light and a little bit of air to our emotional health takes a lot of the sting out of the pain that we've been feeling. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I find that to be so true. And I'm in one of those areas where, you know, I, I see a counselor regularly and I'm trying to normalize that here. Yeah. Um, but it certainly can have its associated stigma. Um, so but, would you be willing, would you be willing to be transparent with, with all of us and say, is that, um, how do you navigate that challenge? If you're in an area where there, there's scrutiny, how, how do you, how are you able to manage that? Yeah. And then I'll stop interviewing you. No. <laughs> yes. Turn the tables on me. Right. Um, you know, I don't advertise it. Um, but like my secretary and, and others know, um, and, and certainly I just try to make that space. And if anyone were to ask, it's for my own health, my own family's health, um, my own spiritual health. It's obviously connected. And so one of my desires is to be integrated, whole. Yeah. Um, and, and for me to be a leader requires to do the inner work. And personally, I've found this throughout the years. I don't do it on my own. Right. And so um, I will run away from it. I'll be helpful. I'll keep up the facade. And so I have to pay money and set aside a time um, to take that inner look. And, and so I'm comfortable telling people that, but I, I don't think anyone here would, um, there's just stigma, but they're not going to take any action. You know, yeah. they'd be like, oh, well, that's good for you. So. Good for you. I don't. I'm not going to do it. But <laughs> yes, yeah. Good for you. But you're not going to lose your job. But there, there right. are probably some pastors in settings yeah. where it might put them literally on on kind of unstable ground, and that's yeah. that's so unfortunate. It's yeah. not that common anymore that it would be that intense. But I I know there are pockets yeah. um, of ministry where that is the case. So just be careful yeah. when you decide yeah. to talk to someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, yeah. and I appreciate your, your emphasis on honesty because that's, um, you just can't, I can't be in touch with the most real parts of my life if I'm avoiding the most real parts of my life. Well said. <laughs> the, the passion, the genuineness, the authenticity, the desire for God. Um, if I'm avoiding the pain, you know, yeah. I, I, I miss out on all of those. So. Yeah. And you know, yeah. We're separated in age a bit, but one of the things that I admire about younger pastors is that, that you all are a breath of fresh air in, in that you're doing ministry differently than my generation and older, yeah. right? My dad's generation was trained, don't tell anybody anything. Yeah. yeah. My generation is kind of selectively trying to figure out what we can tell, and your generation's just more authentic. And... Yeah. Um, that's a that's a blessing, but it can also be a little bit of a danger if yes. you're dealing with people my age and older that are that are not always sure what to do. But I will tell you this for your generation and younger. I don't think you can lead without being authentic and right. transparent. I don't think it'll work. Um, yeah. I work with college students. I'm around college students. If they sniff out the leader is not authentic, they just yeah. stop listening. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, don't, they don't discount. They just turn off. Yeah. And yeah. and that's a generational certainly a generational difference, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm coming into a more traditional church here and, and just the younger generation for whatever reason, cause I try to be authentic. It, it was kind of like a surprise to them initially. And I'm like, absolutely. Well, that should be kind of like the minimum yeah. bar there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just, it depends on your perspective and, and, yeah. and what you're yeah. used to and, yeah. you know, 
you're you're wise enough to know how to kind of titrate that slowly kind of yeah. blending that in slowly which is wise yeah well thank you paul yeah, yeah sure. uh, another question i just thought was interesting paul and I, I we there's so much in this area we could talk about but i know you've done some speaking about grief and loss and trauma which is so relevant in ministry and certainly during covid um, how do you think pastors struggle with those issues and do they struggle with them as much as anxiety and depression? Um, maybe just riff on that for a little bit. Sure. So, um, when I started speaking to church leaders three years ago, um, because of these tragedies in our area, we started running a survey and we ran it to, um, 2,200 pastors, which is a big sample size in yeah. this area. We, we don't have big studies. This is one of the first big studies. And we asked people to rate nine factors related to depression and ministry. And what surprised us, one of, one of the factors was unresolved trauma, grief, or loss. That came in third um, on the list out of the 2,200 pastors. It was ranked as the third most important cause or effect of yeah. depression and ministry. So I have, I have elevated my thinking and focused my thinking around this issue for pastors and begun asking questions when I speak related to in your ministry or in your personal life, are you aware of loss that has not been processed or grief that has not been felt or trauma that is just stuck? Yeah. And so when, when we enter that part of, of the talk of the conversation, it gets very very tender yeah and what i realize is we're we don't even know what we don't know yet about yeah. pastoral loss and trauma and grief now my background as a therapist tells me um that that so many people can, especially men do not recognize well those unresolved issues yeah. and it's it's a double barrel problem for pastors because men tend to intellectualize right? We, we separate the feelings from the rest mm -hmm. of life. We don't want to do that work. Um, and pastors tend to go into meaning making and sermonizing mode in their head rather than feel the feelings. Yeah. And I, I said this on a webinar recently, and that one statement got more action, more activity around it than any other statement, because yeah. I, I'm, it is what it is. I mean, we, you hear something, and you think, oh, that's good. I want to do something with that rather than I need to work on that. Yeah. And, and a lot of pastors have been hurt in ministry. Things have been said to them um, or done to them. Um, sometimes even in the name of the Lord that has just mm -hmm. left a scar. And there, you know, there are little L losses in our life and there are big L yeah. losses. And we need to be able to process both. And men, we're not good at it. We're just yeah. not good at processing loss. Um, eight weeks ago, uh, yesterday, my mom passed away mm. at 90. And um, my dad's still alive. Uh, mom and dad were married 69 years. And, wow. and the moment, the moment I heard she passed, I made a mental decision to not run away from the grief. And I'm glad I made the decision. Yeah. But um, it's hard work. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is work two months after the fact, it is work part of every day um, to just be in the grief. And there's really no shortcut. I know I know enough about grief to know there's no shortcut. Yeah. But there is a long cut if you want to if you try to run from it. Yeah. Uh, so pastors in general 
know a lot about grief. They know a lot about loss. They can speak to it. They can preach yeah. to it, but it's hard to want to do the work. It's, yeah. you know, it's just, it's like an aluminum table that we're throwing things on. It just keeps sliding off. Yeah. And we don't want to do it. None of us want to do it. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's I, thank you for sharing that, Paul. Sure. Um, I, you know, what comes to mind as you say that is, um, we keep sliding it, sliding it down is the, the people that it is a compulsion and it just grows and grows the farther you run from it because it feels heavier and heavier anytime you dip into it, if that makes sense. So what would you say to someone who's, who knows, okay, I've got some work to do, but it feels so overwhelming now because I've been avoiding this. Yeah. Well, for, first I would say, I would want to make sure that we've broken through enough of the denial. And I would want to say, you know, mm -hmm. the approach that you've been using so far, how's, how's that working for you? Yeah. Right. And that's a fam that's a famous therapist, you know, jab. Yeah. But it's, it's also an effective jab to, yeah. to say, I, I need to own the fact that it's not working. So, so what I say to, to men who are leading is your biggest fear is probably that if you get into it, if you open the door, everything in the closet is going to fall on you. Yeah. yeah. So let's use a different metaphor. Let's use a little cabinet and every week pull down, you know, a plate and a cup. And we have to change our thinking about our grit and realize, and I, I mean this with all my heart, we are way more gritty than we think we are. Yeah. We have tremendous resolve. So if, if we will recognize that, right, and get this up on camera, wherever it is. Yeah. <laughs> if we recognize that the base is solid yeah. because of God, what God has put in our character, then I can begin to look at painful things that have happened to me. Not so that I can just live in that pain, right? Right. Because that's awful, but yeah. so that I can push through that pain and become more effective. Now, one of the decisions you have to make when you start that recovery process as a pastor is what's my end game? Is my end game to just be better? Or is my end game to be a healed helper that doesn't mind talking about some of the pain? And that's yeah. what I'm seeing as a transitional difference generationally that 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 you guys are are more able and more willing to show people the scar tissue. Mm. And and I think that's important for um, for all of us moving forward. Yeah. You know, it comes to my this whole conversation. This is one of my passions. But um, is we it seems like I don't know if this is true generally generationally, but I feel like I have less help in knowing how to just simply be human. So how to hold the hardness of a human life for the suffering um, and less and less institutions, less and less um, generational commitments, less and less <laughs> rootedness. Um, and, and so this conversation is just so meaningful um, because I, I have to have help, you know, in knowing how to navigate life. Um, but for me, it just, I, I don't know. I just have to be honest about those things or I don't know where, where I would be. And, you know, one of the things that, that helped me early on, I, so I, I, as you're saying that I felt the, I felt the feelings that are really old in my soul of why is no one talking about this Yeah, that existed in my early twenties when I went through a really serious depression and I looked around and I thought, I, I feel like I'm an alien here. Yeah. I don't know who to talk to. I feel like no, 
I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. Yeah. And I found a, I found two authors that mm -hmm. while I figured out the who people later, I found two authors that were helpful enough to help me bridge mm -hmm. out of that year long depression. Uh, one was Frederick Beekner um, and one was David Siemens, S-E-A-M-A-N-D-S, mm -hmm. who have, have just written such remarkable work. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like, God, somebody's finally telling the truth, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. That life is hard. Yeah. You know, life is difficult uh, and and painful. And the, the thought, the idea that this struck me toward the end of COVID, the intensity of COVID here, the idea that any of us could lead well during a crisis is almost laughable. The idea that that anybody's going to lead perfectly is um, preposterous. Yeah. And on the days that I'm hurting or you're hurting, those are really hard days to lead at all. Yeah. And no one wants to say that. Yeah. Um, I was recently talking to a group of um, pastors that all um, serviced extraordinarily large churches. And I, I was, mm -hmm. it was nice to be invited in to speak to them. But I was just talking honestly about the pain of leading during mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. And there were about 30 or so guys on the on the Zoom, and there were a lot of tears yeah. coming down. And and it was kind of a sacred moment to just be able to admit that yeah. um, leading through a crisis, we, we pay a heavy price. I mean, I, yeah. I'm guessing it's going to shorten our life a little bit mm -hmm. because we have expended so much energy trying to lead and trying to deflect arrows that are shot at us. Um, I know pastors that are that are sincerely thinking about getting out of ministry because yeah. of the continued criticism of their leadership. Yeah. And that breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, you know, a buddy of mine's up in the Pacific Northwest. He had a little sweet old lady who'd never been mad at anybody in her life. Hey, well, thanks, everybody, for being patient with us. Um, we may be able to get Paul back on here. Um, but uh, one of the things that's sticking out to me is um, just, it, it's an underlying thing that Paul keeps mentioning is honesty. And that's one of the, oh, welcome back, Paul. Oh. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what happened. You're good, man. I, I was just mentioning one of the things I really appreciate is, um, I think it's Ruth Haley Barton who I heard say it, but um, that God is in reality. And one of the underlying currents I just hear you mentioning, and even those 30 leaders, is the chance to be honest in a real space uh, where there's trust and um, just love. And I just, that's where I think health for a pastor has to begin at honesty, um, health for anybody. It does. And, and one of the reasons that people find success seeing a counselor is you, you're, you're not paying for expertise. Well, a little bit you are, but you're, you're paying for trust. You're, you're paying in some cases for the first place, maybe in your life, where you could be a hundred percent real and authentic. And, and that's a, that is a life changing experience. Yeah. If you have been committed to facade or have not felt yeah. safe uh, in the past. And, yeah. and, and it also reminds me of how people feel when they come to us, that one of the gifts we give them is the space to be real and yeah. flawed and scarred and sinful, just yeah. like we are. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, a question that just got texted in, Paul, is uh, am I fooling myself or completely unaware 
of myself if I feel COVID 2020, 21 was no big deal. But now 2022 feels like walking through sludge. Any thoughts on that? So um, this is a kind of a common theme uh, with leaders I've been talking to is that they, some feel like they almost like guilty, like it was not a problem going through the worst of it. Um, pastors are saying, you know, my church didn't go down very much. Giving went up. <laughs> yeah. there, there are some people and go, it just, it didn't seem too bad. And now it's nonsensical that they're worn out. And what I would say is you spent a lot more energy leading than you thought you did. Yeah. You, you, and you spent a lot of your reserves every day and, and our body cannot, our mind and our body cannot sustain uh, that kind of stress. You will have to pay the system back. Yeah. So I was, I was talking to a biologist one time about this and he goes, he looked at me, his name was Glenn. He goes, you know, he goes, that's true at a cellular level. If a cell yeah. expends a lot of energy, it will rebound. And I said, that's, I didn't know that. He said, cells have to recapture, rebalance. They have to rest yeah. and get their energy back. And I thought, wow, I mean, that's micro and macro. It's the same. Yeah. It, it's, it's non, it, it doesn't work to just yeah. keep your foot on the accelerator forever and not think something's going to break. Archibald Hart, who worked for many years at um, Fuller Theological Seminary, a Christian uh, psychologist did a lot of work on stress and burnout um, and stress hormones. And, and he was talking to our students one time here and he goes, what wouldn't make you think that you could keep your foot on the gas pedal forever and not run out of gas? Yeah. I thought that's the most simple way to yeah. say it. So yeah. leaders, leaders are, I think right now kind of numb. Yeah. They may not be depressed, but they're, they're sort of numb. Um, and I like the word sludge, whoever texted the question, that's, that's a good word. <laughs> Right. You just kind of in mud yeah. uh, and it's going to take a while to get your strength back. Yeah. Yeah. As as we think about that, maybe more um, concretely, what what are some resources? What are some first steps maybe for someone who's like, I'm walking through sludge. I've used my reserves. How can I begin building those back up? So um, people may not like this answer, but my answer is you're going to have to talk to your elders. Mm. and um <laughs> twice i've been asked by someone if i could talk to their elders for them <laughs> and, and so i did both times i'll give you a phone number Paul. i know right so um you're gonna have to talk to your elders and and say uh i am worn out mm. i i really want to pastor well i want to lead well but i'm gonna need um i'm gonna need a break and what I have told elders and pastors is it's now is the best time possibly in your entire career to ask for a sabbatical. Yeah. Whether that sabbatical is two weeks, two months, um, you cannot reboot without some rest, without some space. So I will be transparent and tell you that my board um, of trustees last fall, as things were beginning to get a tiny bit better, uh, they said to me lovingly, uh, it's, it's interesting, Paul, that you speak a lot about soul care. You know where this is going, yes. but you're not very good at, at taking care of yourself. And, um, I broke down and I said, you're right. And I'm not proud of that. And, um, I had to covenant with my board that I would take better care of myself, um, 
you know, so it's kind of a pro tip. If you cry during a board meeting, you actually get more vacation time. You either get fired or you get more vacation time. <laughs> Praise God. Praise, Praise God. God, right? <laughs> so, but I don't know how to reboot without rest. Yeah, no. I just don't. So I would say have that authentic, difficult conversation and, and just say, you know, in my job leading this church, um, I have found that I'm out of energy and I would like some time off. Yeah. Um, I don't think very many elder boards would have a problem with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I would start with time off and then I would, I would look at physical health as well as spiritual and emotional. Yeah. And I would say, are the rhythms of my physical care working for me or not? Hmm. So one, one of my decisions after the board lovingly confronted me is I, I started to eat better than I have in, in six or seven years. Yeah. I've lost 22 pounds so far and I've got another 15 to go. That's awesome. But I, I just found like so many people just stress eating during COVID because yeah. of the sustained stress. And, you know, you've got to have rest. You've got to reboot your body. And then you've also got to do the work of resetting yourself spiritually. Yeah. Of, of finding new rhythms uh, for spiritual balance. Yeah. Um, whatever that means for people, because we all do spiritual growth and spiritual formation differently. Yeah. So we have to find renewal patterns. And I would I would strongly emphasize not for the sake of sermonizing. Yeah. Um, because that's that's a that's just such a typical um, bleed off of, of energy for pastors is to yeah. is to think I want to I want to be on this dual track. I want to find something that's good for me and some <clears throat> excuse me, something that's good for the yeah. church. But they spend too much time on the what's good for the church instead of what's good for their heart. Yeah. Yeah, even, you know, sermonizing and certainly even leadership um, conversations, I, I think about that. And um, yeah, for me, it's been helpful. I like I just took a two day retreat and it's, you know, I've been needing to do it for six months. So I'm nobody special, but <laughs> <laughs> took a two day retreat um, just to get away and remove myself. And um, just the amount of renewed energy I feel to have been gone, to feel no expectations for two days, um, not meet any needs for two days, and the world's still here when I come back. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. And you've got at least one young child, right? <clears throat> yeah, two. So one-year-old and a three-year-old. <laughs> so I, <laughs> well, if you can get away with it with your spouse, yeah. right, if, if you've got that extra pressure of young kids, um, I think it's even more important. Your, your wife yeah. needs that time. Occasionally you need that time occasionally um, because, you, you know, young kids or sick family members multiply the stress, you know, yeah. exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. The tiredest people in the world are, are parents of preschoolers. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I may be there soon. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. It's so fun. But yeah, I always tell people, you know, I'll be a better pastor and certainly a better parent and spouse if um, I have a little time away. I get a little time away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, um, Paul, I don't know how much more time we have, but is there anything else, kind of your last 5% that you'd like to, any other resources or um, just something well, you want to tell people? Yeah, you know, um, l let me mention that. Uh, that Siemens book again, okay, uh, yeah. it's just such a good primer. It's um, Healing for Damaged Emotions. It's been around forever by David Siemens, S-E-A-M-A-N-D-S. 
um, it's a really good um, first step in kind of integrated wholeness. If people have never read that, um, the big what's the big takeaway? Uh, if there's one hammer I could swing at one nail, um, it would be to 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 not give in to the shame that keeps you isolated. To recognize it for what it is that that it is, um, it's a darkness that you don't need to be held by. Um, you you can be free of that shame so that you can come into relationship yeah. more authentically with the Lord, with those that love you. Maybe that has to start with a Christian therapist. Maybe it has to start with a friend who works down the road, not in your area. Yeah. Um, but but we, we have to cut ties with the shame that keeps us stuck. Mm-hmm. And it's not a sin to struggle. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're less than. Um, when I started speaking to churches three years ago, I decided to pull the curtain back on my own life and talk about my almost 40 year long struggle with mild depression. And it has been a constant, uh, odd companion my whole adult life. I manage it. It doesn't own me, uh, but it's there. And, um, you know, Churchill and others call it the black dog. Um, you know, when, when the black dog visits, so, you know, the back dog's in the back of my Jeep all the time. Yeah. I just try to make sure it's more like a puppy than a, you know, than yes. a vicious dog. Because yeah. some of us just are inclined toward anxiety or yeah. depression. Yeah. And that's okay. A quarter yeah. of us in the U.S. do. Let me say yeah. that again. Yeah. One in four of us is dealing with either major depression or one or more anxiety disorders. Yeah. Which means a quarter of Christian leaders. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the quarter. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, but it took me almost 40 years to want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Well, and that's a good reminder to be in it for the long haul. And I'm just reminded, Paul, I, I appreciate your example for us because just the amount of energy and wholeness and even connection that can come when we're honest about our stories. And so Absolutely. it's not, not just to be a better pastor but to be a human or a soul before God um, yeah. will just uh, increase our effectiveness and certainly our longevity um, and hopefully our ministry fruitfulness as well. It's, you know, this, this is going to sound selfish, but it's good for us. Yeah. Right. To, yeah. to live more authentically is good for us. And when that's good yeah. for me, I find it really makes people around me better, safer, happier, calmer, whatever, whatever words you want to put in there. Yeah. 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 Hey, thank you, Landon, for letting me talk about this stuff. I could go on and on and on, but I know, I know we're out of time. Yeah. We better wrap up, but Paul, thank you for joining us on Spirecast and everyone. Thank you for listening today. Uh, This has been a great time. Thank you, Paul. All right. God bless. Thanks. Thanks.